Welcome to Wind Up Weekly. I'm Matthew Gorn. And I'm Katie Canfield. And we're here to share the week's news and wine. Welcome to Wind Up Weekly's first ever special report. This is going to be every once in a while when we find something really interesting to talk about and we'll involve a tasting from our part because we don't do much of that. We report the news as usual. So with these special reports, we'll kind of dive in deep to a particular news story that came to mind or a particular region or producer that's uh, current in the news. And on this week's pod, released on Monday, we reported that the deal between Constellation and Gallo, which has been in the works for a year now, is actually going to go through. So Constellation are selling some of their inexpensive brands to Gallo. And so it's quite a big deal. It's been subject to a lot of scrutiny, uh, but it's finally been allowed. And so we thought we'd taste some of those wines. That's right. And we don't normally taste many of these wines, do we, Matthew? No, these are inexpensive wines, all in the sub $15 range and so the wines that um, a lot of people here in the States drink a lot of uh, but which we don't we have to admit and so we wanted to taste these wines find out how they're doing how they're standing up are they good wines for their price or are they or they not and you went to Rayleigh's our local supermarket uh, to find these wines and we have shopped at Rayleigh's um, on occasion for wine, and we always buy in six packs. Now, why is that, Matthew? Yes, it's very frustrating, um, because to get the best price, you have to buy six bottles of wine. So if you buy one bottle of wine, it's massively overpriced. But if you buy six bottles, then you get a 30% discount, and it's actually quite a good deal. And so we'll be listing the prices of these wines, kind of their frontline price, as well as the discounted price that we got them for. And Rayleigh's is kind of a mid-tier supermarket, good quality, but these inexpensive wines were not hard to find, all on the bottom shelves of the wine section. But you did find a little lone soldier out there, didn't you? There was um, a champagne, in fact, Pierre Peters. Right, so we're tasting um, five wines, so I needed to get one more to get it up to the sixth um, wine discount, and I saw a bottle of Pierre Peters just all on its own, no price tag. So I thought, well... I'll just get that one because I'm going to get my discount, so it'll probably be a decent price. And I got to the counter and they couldn't find it in the system. The assistant was uh, scouring the shelves to find another bottle to find the price. And so I went over to help him and I said, well, I got it from this spot that's now empty. And the tag under it was Sophia Coppola uh, Rosé Sparkling, uh, price $17. He said, well, that's what the tag says, so $17. And it's a $60 wine, but I was like, oh, okay. Well, that's when you just nod your head and keep on walking. Yeah, plead ignorance, because I didn't know what Rayleigh's was um, pricing it. But, unfortunately, we're not tasting P.I. Peters right now. Unfortunately not, but we do have some bubbly. So first up, we've got... Oh, this one looks familiar. So this is Cook's California Champagne Brut. Yes, they do call it champagne. They were grandfathered in uh, before the the Champagne region was able to get their lawsuit on forms. So now they cooks and other. There's a few other producers yeah. in California that are still able to put Champagne on the label. But most producers have decided to steer clear of that, just out of respect for the Champagne region. But not the big guys. No, and once you get to the bottom shelf of a California supermarket, you do find a lot of European terms. So I was looking at Carlo Rossi's Burgundy, which is in a big jug bottle, and then you'll see Sherry Madeira Port as well. And so they really don't care that they're not authentic. 
Um, I say in general in California, if you're a good producer, you do not use the European term. You say, we are from California and this is our own style of wine. But with Cooks, it's been made since 1858, so it does have a lot of history. You're kind of familiar with this wine, aren't you, Katie? It is near and dear to my heart. You know, I remember when I graduated from high school, I think it was, and I was given a bottle of Cooks from my father. And I mean, I was 18, so legal in all the European countries, but not quite yet here in the US. Well, it is called champagne, so maybe um, it was legal for you. Perhaps. You know, that was my, my big gift. And it was often at the Easter brunch table uh, for a little mimosa, mix a little orange juice in there, and it can be quite delightful. So haven't tried it in many years. So looking forward to seeing what it tastes like. Well, let's open it, shall we? Well, it definitely has the celebratory pop that you want. Yes, and that's what consumers are always looking for. As soon as you hear that pop, you're thinking fun. You're thinking good times. So actually, Katie, I did a blind taste you on this about three years ago when you were preparing for your diploma sparkling wine exam. Mm. And I remember you called it Prosecco. And it is made in the same way as Prosecco, even though they call it Champagne. It is the tank method. Uh, it's certainly very foamy and frothy. Yes, and you do get some fruit on the nose, but not nearly as much as Prosecco, so I'm not sure if I was quite correct three years ago in my blind tasting, but although it is trying to be perhaps a little more complex than it really is, and maybe it's trying too hard, I don't know. I have the Christie's Encyclopedia of Sparkling Wine open in front of me, and the entry on Cook's says, Cook's is a dull, often overly heavy tank method, quotation marks, champagne. So, just tasted that. It is not pleasant. That's all I can say. I really don't want to dismiss a wine just because it's inexpensive and just because it calls itself champagne when it's from California, but that is just like so... Oh, that's syrup. Yeah. Mm. That's like this, um, oh, it doesn't even have a flavor. It's just kind of syrup. Yeah, like simple syrup with the emphasis mm. on simple. No, but even simple <laughs> syrup's good. You know, it has that nice sweetness. This has this sort of funk to it that I can't quite put my finger on. Yeah, it is genuinely unpleasant. And it's just, I think heavy is the right word. It's just that sweetness without any of the acidity. Well, with a sparkling wine, you really want that light, bright, acidity, freshness, none of which is really one of the characteristics I would associate with this wine. Yeah, and we've taken it straight out of the fridge, but it feels warm, mm. even though it's been in the fridge for 24 hours. So it's that kind of heaviness and sweetness. So let's look at the price, shall we? So here, regular price we have at... 1284 US dollars uh, discounted to 1213. Well, you certainly didn't save very much there, did you? So I'm a little uh, confused by Rayleigh's pricings here. You know, I got my champagne, $60 champagne for $17, but I also seem to have got a very, very, very small discount on my Cook's champagne. A little irregular in their pricing, I think. So I thought this was actually marketed at seven or $8, so a little um, dubious about the pricing there. Yes, well, I know my father would never spend $12 on a bottle of bubbly, so must have prices must have gone up. Yeah, and actually for $12, that's really, really bad value because you could get a perfectly serviceable Prosecco or Cava for that price. Cava, yes, my mind went straight there. Yeah. And so the point of these wines is to kind of um, offer that good value to a low price point, but that, that really is terrible. <laughs> Next up. So we're going to New Zealand. So all the other wines are from California. And this is actually part of a different deal. But Constellation have sold this wine 
to Gallo, uh, just a separate deal, but kind of part of the same uh, movement. So this is a 2019 Sauvignon Blanc from Marlborough, and I actually tasted the 2018, it was two years ago, uh, in a competitive set with another client of mine, and I, th- I thought it tasted like a proper Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc, so I'm very anxious to taste the 2019 vintage. Right, so this producer goes back to the 1940s, that's when it's a Croatian um, origin, and actually quite a bit of Croatian influence in New Zealand and Australia, and they were one of the pioneers of Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc in the 1970s, so actually quite important. And there were two versions, of, or two wines from this brand on the shelf, and this is the cheaper one, uh, but there was one that's actually retailing in the low 20s, so maybe a, a higher commitment to quality than we were finding with Cooks. And so what is the price point of this one, Katie? So regular price is $19.99. That's a $20 Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc. It's a bit pricey. Um, but it was discounted uh, to $15.70. So you got a little bit of a discount there. Yeah, I think I got, the, I got the proper discount on that one. So we're talking about a $16 bottle of Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc. I guess it's fairly standard, but it's on the higher end rather than the lower end. It is on the higher end, yes. I'd say maybe 10 10 to 14 is kind of the sweet spot. You know, people are trading up and they do love their Marlboro Sauvignon Blanc. So I think this could definitely appeal to a large part of the consumer base here in the U.S. anyway. Absolutely. And looking at the uh, the shelves in, in Rayleigh's, our local Rayleigh's, the Sauvignon Blanc section is just full of New Zealand wine, whereas the other sections are full of uh, California. And so we're going to open this wine. We won't get a pop, but we will get the screw cap sound. Mm. This is New Zealand. That's what you want. And you know it's not going to be caught. It's a fairly boring label, I have to say, but it's very clear. It has the name of the brand, it has Sauvignon Blanc, it has Marlborough, and the vintage uh, New Zealand. And a crest. And a crest. A crest is always a sign of quality, I think you'll find. <laughs> well, immediately, it it's not quite as aromatic as I would expect it to be, because normally with Marlborough Sauvignon Blancs, it just leaps out of the glass into your nose. And this is... A little bit more reserved, I would say. You've really got to get your nose in there to, to get some of those aromas. Yeah, and the same as you, Katie. I was expecting all those pungent mm. tropical fruit aromas, but there's a nice kind of... Um... They are there, though. It's, yeah. It, are there, there are these tropical notes, kind of that, that grassy, very typical uh, of New Zealand, but just a little bit more subtle than I would have expected. And there's that kind of earthy Sauvignon Blanc quality to it as well. And then there's a nice spicy, lazy quality on the palate. I think that's perfectly um, a good wine. It's got enough acidity, for sure. So what about for the price point? What do you think in, so fifteen seventy, the discounted price? Yeah, and in fact, even the regular price of $20, I'd probably pay that. I think it does quite a good job. It's got the freshness, the acidity, it's balanced. It's not overly complex, but then what are you expecting from this style of wine? Yeah, and I think with the packaging, although it is a little bit boring, I think it's something that if you wanted to go, you know, to a dinner party and, and bring a bottle of wine, this is something completely substantial and something you could go to and that people would kind of look at and, and think was a respectable bottle of wine. Absolutely, and this is such a popular style, and I understand why it is, because you can get those aromas, it tastes like something, whereas some wines you may have to think about it too much. This one is just, it is what it is, and I think... Um, it's quite tasty. All right, well, what's next? Well, this is the one I'm really looking forward to. 
Oh, right. Okay. So we're um, moving on from the bottles and on to the boxes. So this is Black Box Chardonnay from Australia. It's 2019 vintage. Let's see here. It has gold medals. 70 of them. 70 gold medals from Wine Enthusiast since 2004. 34 Best Buys. All right. Well, there's a lot of accolades on this box. I'm looking forward to it. And they're really emphasizing that because that case is reading the front. I go to the side of the box. It says award-winning black box wines, just repeating as all those accolades that it's had. I've always been intrigued by the success of black box because the color of it, it is black, isn't that attractive. It's not bright, but I guess it is distinctive. Well, another one of these points on the side of the box that you were reading, you know, the last point, which I think is the most important these days, is it says easy on the environment. So smaller carbon footprint than glass or plastic, which I would say is true. And they make a very valid point. And that's why we are seeing a a rise in demand for these alternative packages. Um, I do know for a fact, uh, my sister is a big fan of the black box. Uh, she usually buys in the larger format than this one here. What is the... It's 500 mils. Yes. So I don't know what the one is she is, but it just sits on her um, countertop and she's got wine for the week. I um, was expecting it to be packaged in a bigger box and it took me a while to find this one, but it's under picnic wines. And so this size is perfect for a picnic. Well, opening the wine is very easy to do, that's a fact. Yep, and we're tasting the Chardonnay. There's also Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot um, in the black box of this size. Oh, right, it says right here on the box, also available in three liter boxes. That's the one my sister buys. I think just for tasting purposes, 500 mils is better, Uh, but also for a picnic. And I think this is very easy just to put in a a picnic basket on some ice and just uh, have it on the beach or in the park. Um, It's not a very good wine. Well, it was more attractive on the nose, I thought. I was expecting a little bit more, but then it became a little bit more disappointing on the palate. Kind of just sort of watery, didn't, you know, the finish isn't there. Not that you would necessarily expect it to be, but I thought, I was expecting a little more. I would say this is why people drink Chardonnay and also why people don't like Chardonnay. It's quite nondescript, but quite fat at the same time. Well, I think, you know, what a lot of people do with the sh- with Chardonnay at all price points is, you know, you have that, is there too much winemaking involved? You know, if they're trying to grow the Chardonnay in maybe not so ideal places, which obviously would be the case with something like this, you're going to, I'm sure it's coming from maybe not the prime vineyard uh, regions of Australia. Um, so then you have to make some corrections in the wine in the winery. And I think that, you know, Chardonnay really... You, you can pick that up pretty easily if, if you're attuned to it. Um, but this is $7.99 as a regular price. And you got it for $5.99. It's a pretty good deal. Yeah, for 500 milliliters of wine to take on a picnic. I guess you can't really complain about the price. Uh, I don't think it does anything more than the price suggests. But at the same time, that's, I mean, that's a really inexpensive wine. I agree with you, though, on the packaging. If they did just maybe do something a little bit brighter, lighter, maybe some interesting images on there, make it so much more attractive. But I guess it's selling well anyway, so. Yeah, I'd be interested in the sales figures. I was expecting this to be kind of front and prominent in the supermarket, but it's hidden away in the picnic wines because it is a very successful brand. And so, But maybe it doesn't make as much money as uh, Constellation would have liked, and that's why they've sold it. Well, it's good enough for Gallo. <laughs>
So now we have to use the corkscrew for the first time. And we're going to try a Pinot Noir by Claude Dubois. And the bad news, it looks quite plastic, this cork. That is disappointing. Although it does say it's recyclable. Is that true, though? It's got the little sign. Hmm. Okay, well, we'll take their word for it, I suppose. Uh, so this wine uh, retails at thirteen ninety nine, and you got it for ten seventy. And that is, it has to be said, a very good price for California Pinot. Well, and my question was, when you did bring home this wine, and I saw that price point is, is it all Pinot? Because the regulations here in California, it only has to be 75% uh, to put the variety on the label. Uh, so it could very well have some different things blended in there. Yeah, and it's labeled California, so the fruit is coming from all over the place. Uh, Clos de Bois are based in Sonoma, but clearly if they're labeling it California, they're getting it from many, many different places. Well, I would call that a pinot. It's got some red cherries and spices. It's not an incredibly attractive nose, but it doesn't completely put you off. I'm trying to be charitable towards this wine, but it's very difficult. Alcohol is 13.5%. Yeah, and the, and the fruit isn't really that fresh, you would kind of expect. It's a 2017, so I guess it's got a, a couple of years aging on it, but... It, it almost feels a little tired. It almost feels like it has more age on it than, than just two years. Yeah, thinking about this vintage, 2017, that's three years ago. I'm surprised that it's on the supermarket shelf for a 10 to $15 bottle of Pinot Noir. Mm. You think they would have moved on to a different vintage by now. But I absolutely agree with your comment that it feels quite tired. It probably was quite tired in the first place, but <laughs> it's not a fresh wine. It's neither fresh nor complex. And you know what you get from California Pinot Noirs, even from the cooler pockets of the state and slightly warmer, just this, lots of fruit, you know, and, and this wine just really doesn't have that. Yeah, it kind of hints at fruitiness without being actually mm -hmm. that kind of mm -hmm. ripe, um, tasty kind of Russian River Valley Pinot Noir. But again, thinking about the price, I mean, just over $10, I guess it's what you uh, expect. Yeah, and I think... There is a market for this, for sure. There is an audience. There are drinkers out there that I think would get quite a lot of enjoyment. And when you think about food pairing, too, you know, if you paired something with that, I mean, that could go with a pasta or maybe some salmon, and I think you could be quite happy. Or maybe not, judging from your face right now. <laughs> So now we're on to our final wine of the tasting, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So this is Ravenswood, uh, Zinfandel, and the vineyard, what is it? This is California. The Vintners Blend from California. It's a 2017. Again. And Vintners Blend is really what put Ravenswood on the map. So Joel Peterson is the man behind, the mind behind this incredible brand that gained incredible traction and was sold to Constellation. And Joel continued to work um, uh, in a marketing capacity for the brand while it was under Constellation's um, oversight. And then, I, and now it's being sold to Gallo. And I think at, at this point, I think uh, Joel's now stepping down. He's got his own label. Um, but his history is fascinating, how he's grown this Vintner's Blend to being, you know, the Zinfandel, which is the classic California grape variety, really bringing it to prominence and bringing quality at a very easy price point. 
let's see, what is the price point? $12.99 regular and discounted to $8.56. Yeah, so a sub $10 wine. And as you said, this is the kind of the label that which really made Ravenswood back in the 1980s and really helped save Zinfandel along with, dare we say it, white Zinfandel. Mm. A lot of those old vine plantings kind of preserved because of the success of these wines. And we've met Joel Peterson. Mm -hmm. He um, stepped back from Ravenswood, uh, I think, five or six years ago. And so there's nothing to do with him now, but he certainly built that brand and was very successful with it. Ravenswood was the first Zinfandel I ever tried back in the UK uh, because it's seen as the benchmark. Yeah, and when he started, you know, he was making uh, single vineyard uh, designate wines. So it's interesting on the back label, it says Ravenswood wines are big and unapologetic, which I think is a very Californian thing to say, but it also gives a sense of honesty. It's like, these wines are what they are. They're big, fruity, uh, relatively high in alcohol. Although this one's only 13.5%, which is the same as the Pinot. And what else does it say here? It says, our Zin is a robust... Red, brimming with mouth-watering flavors of spicy, ripe raspberry, cherry, and boysenberry. Hmm. I could agree with that. I'm getting the boysenberry. And you don't know what boysenberry is, do you? I often use that in my tasting notes, and you always wonder what that that means. You don't get those in the UK. No, it's a very California thing, but it's a very good way of describing Zinfandel, I think. Because I now understand what poison is. Well, it's somewhere between a blackberry and a raspberry. So you get the kind of the tartness of the raspberry, the sweetness of the blackberry. Mm, I think this ticks all those boxes. And that was sort of Joel Peterson's idea setting out. You know, he wanted to make a wine that was delicious, robust, Californian, but accessible for to all consumers. And at this price point, it really is. Right, and the label really stands out. I think, again, when I'm in a supermarket and I'm looking for Zinfandel, I immediately see the Ravenswood label. It's like, there it is. That's the classic California Zinfandel. And this is a, a fruity, it's quite simple, but very um, approachable. Spicy, isn't it? It is spicy, and it's approachable. It's easy, in a good way. And I think you could easily pair that with a, anything barbecued. Sausage, steak... That would go really nicely. I think that's a great food wine and something that would be very happy on a table with a bunch of meat, some potatoes. For that price, I think it does, it punches above its weight. And that's perhaps the first wine we've had of these five, which has really punched above its weight. Yeah, so that's the lineup. Uh, We've tasted through all that Gallo's getting for about a billion dollars in this sale. And... It's quite enlightening. I'm glad we we opened these bottles. It's um, I think we had a few of our favorites. I'd say the Nobilo, definitely for the whites, and you know I think that's that's a one we could recommend to our listeners or to any wine enthusiast out there. I think they could be very happy with that for at that price. And the Ravenswood as well, the Zinfandel, uh, kind of classic California, but um, really at a great accessible price. Yeah, some of the others not quite as successful. A billion dollars is a lot of wine, a lot of money for these wines, but they, they're, they're the ones that sell, they're the ones that people recognize on the shelves and are very important to the industry. And just to note, the Nobilo deal is, is separate, as I mentioned, and it's about $159 million, I think. Again, a lot of money just for one brand, but that's a good wine and people will buy it. And there's a lot of it being sold, so I'm sure they'll make back their margin. Cheers to that. Thank you.
you'll notice a slightly different tone to our glass ring as we're using our tasting glasses. Um, but thank you for listening to our first ever special report, and we hope to bring you many more in the future. As always, we invite you to rate and review the pod, and we'll catch you on Monday. Yeah, and if, if you are familiar with any of these wines, give your feedback. Do you like them? Do you not like them? Why do you buy them? Why don't you buy them? Always appreciate um, your comments. Cheerio! Welcome to Wind Up Weekly. I'm Matthew Gorn. And I'm Katie Canfield. And we're here to share the week's news and wine. This week on Wind Up Weekly. <laughs>